Welcome to the Second Success Podcast by Dr. Rakesh Rana, the Clear Coach. Getting clear on the mindset for repeatable success. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Second Success Podcast with me, Dr. Rakesh Rana, the Clear Coach. And on this week's episode, I'll be joined by Mandeep Jassel of the Priory Wellbeing Centre of Dubai. She'll be talking about how she got into nursing and therapy and how she made her move from the UK to the Middle East. More about that later, but first. So, we're in our third national lockdown in the UK, and I know it's not a great place to be, and you're probably feeling very low. You may well be worried about how your work's going to go, and how your business is going to grow, but you also need to understand that how you feel is in your control. I'll give you three pointers that'll help you overcome some of this anxiety and overwhelm that you might be feeling. Firstly, surround yourself with positive people to inspire you and lift you up. To do this online, engage with people through their social media, possible, possibly their Instagram lives, and also do regular video call sessions. Secondly, get out when you can and do some sort of activity, especially without your phone in your hand. Over 100 research studies have shown that being outdoors relieves stress. And thirdly, get creative. Science has shown that just by writing a few short sentences of gratitude and reflection daily in a journal can help you gain peace and direction. Overcoming adversity is all about taking action. And this brings me perfectly on to today's guest. Mandeep is UK trained and graduated as a mental health nurse from the University of Hertfordshire. Mandeep is fully accredited with the British Association of Behavioural and Cognitive Psychotherapies in Cognitive and Behavioural Therapy, CBT, from the University of Hertfordshire and also trained in eye movement, desensitisation and reprocessing. Mandeep has over nine years of experience as a psychotherapist, including over three years working at several priory clinics in the UK. This includes working with adult clients who presented with various anxiety disorders, depression and trauma in both group and one-to-one sessions. Mandeep currently works at Priory Wellbeing Centre Dubai. In therapy, Mandeep always recognises the courage it takes for an individual to acknowledge their issues and seek support. She aims to decrease mental health stigma and raise awareness on various mental health issues and has been a regular speaker on radio and television shows, as well as contributing to numerous articles. Today we won't be talking about therapy or anxiety or stress as such, but what we will be talking about is... We're going to be talking about Mandeep's journey from studying to be a therapist and her move to Dubai and the challenges that brought about and how she overcame them. So let's hear what she had to say. Hello, Mandy, and thank you for joining the Second Success podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and share my journey. Yeah, the transition between working in the UK to working in Dubai and and now Abu Dhabi. Yeah, I think that's amazing. And, you know, before when we when we started talking, I just mentioned to you that some people are so fearful of just moving out of their own hometown, let alone to a different country. So I think, you know, some of the insights that you're going to be able to provide us, I think, are going to be very valuable, not just in people wanting to move, but actually, uh, you know, that physical move, but also the mental move, I think. So that mental move of changing jobs or changing careers or just doing something completely different with their life. So uh, so, so let's start at the beginning, I guess. Um, what got you into essentially therapy, I guess? And mental health altogether. I think when, mm. when I was kind of left school with my GCSEs and I thought, you know, I wasn't quite sure, if I'm honest, what really I, I wanted to go into. I knew that I enjoyed performing arts and music and I knew that I enjoyed kind of understanding about the brain and learning about the brain out of all of like the physical organs in the human body. I was just really interested in learning about the brain. And so uh, at college, I studied health and social care. And part of that uh, course we had to do um 
placement and so I picked a placement that wasn't too far from my house it was a learning disability center but then there were a few people that also had mental health problems and I was just more more drawn to kind of their issues and and supporting them and I thought this is work that I definitely feel interested in doing and and su like supporting people that are struggling with mental health problems then I went on to train as a mental health nurse loved that training at Hertfordshire University absolutely loved it when I went to the campus and saw that the whole of sort of the yeah the university campus I just loved it I thought this is amazing this is where I want to be so for four years of my nursing years with lots of placements early morning shifts late shifts long shifts um, yeah I managed to kind of do my nursing degree as I was studying in my final year as a student nurse, one of the other nurses said a lot of the skills that you're using with the patients in the mental health ward are really cognitive and behavioural therapy based. Mm. And I thought, oh, what's cognitive and behavioural therapy, CBT? So I went back home to my um, you know, halls of residence where I was staying at the time, put it into Google. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is just right up my street. It's a really structured approach. I'm a very structured person. I have an agenda with what to do in the in the day and, and with clients and very skills based. And um, I just thought at that point that at some point in my life, after I've worked as a nurse, I definitely will train as a CBT therapist. And so I must have worked for about two and a half, nearly three years as a nurse before I did my uh, CBT training and absolutely loved it. And then soon after, got my first job with the Priory, Priory mm -hmm. Invoking, and delivered group therapy for the first time. When I actually applied for the job, I thought I'd be delivering um, therapy in a, on a one-to-one -one basis, mm -hmm. on an individual basis. And I didn't realise until I was offered the job that, that it's actually going to be delivering two groups, so group therapy. And so when I remember the first time I delivered a, a CBT for anxiety, and as I was walking towards the, the room, I was feeling quite anxious about delivering an anxiety group. <laughs> and, um, you know, one of the other therapists said, based on never delivering it before, it's completely normal to feel anxious. And I thought, oh, that I understand the logic, but I still feel really anxious. And so mm. I kind of had to normalise it. I kind of had to just... Um, you know, say that, well, this is one of the first groups that I'm delivering. And, you know, I know some stuff, but I also am feeling quite anxious. And I think normalising it just mm. helped help me in the situation and also, um, you know, allowed other people to think that, well, behind being a therapist, we are a human being and sometimes we all might feel anxious. But, well, I mean, for me, I, it, it doesn't mean that I have an anxiety disorder. But, yeah, we can all relate to kind of maybe these emotions sometimes. Mm. Yeah, so that, that was my first job as delivering group therapy and fantastic, fantastic clinic and support with all of the staff there. I mean, we had regular supervision on a weekly basis mm. and felt so, so supported. You moved around a bit or were you just in the one location in, in the same location or have you covered it off in different areas? Yeah, so then after Priory Invoking, I worked there for about a year and a half. Mm. And then another job availability came up for Priory in Chelmsford. And that was closer to like my parents' home where I was living at the time in Essex. So I moved there and um, worked there for about another year and a half, nearly two years, again, delivering mostly group therapy as well as some individual sessions. Mm. And then I finally moved to another company in Nuffield Health. At the time, they were called CBT Services and they actually joined yeah. with Nuffield and became kind of expanded and much bigger. And so that was mostly individual therapy sessions 
and mm -hmm. also con conducting triage assessments. So it's kind of the initial call that an individual makes to find out more about therapy. And also in Fenchurch Street, Priory Wellbeing Centre had just opened there. Okay. So briefly worked there before, before my husband was offered a job in Dubai. And okay. we'd been together for five years before we actually got married. And I mean, we'd always said to each other, oh, it'd be nice to work abroad, be in a new country, somewhere mm. where it's warm maybe Singapore and uh, you know Dubai didn't really come up in the conversation to be honest because okay. we'd both visited Dubai and we didn't really I think at the time we never really we just thought we've been here we've got the t-shirt and so we, we <laughs> didn't really have Dubai in our mind as a okay. place that we'd want and so yeah we were on holiday actually in Morocco and um, there's this vacancy two months max I you know that he was told that um, he's got the job okay and so in the summer of 2016 we moved here was that was that that I, so you know when you mentioned you had the anxiety with the group therapy did you have that same kind of anxiety of making the move or was it just excitement because you're going to a different place what was it I didn't feel that anxious at the time I just felt really excited and I knew that Daniel's worked in America before so you know I felt like he's kind of my backbone and he knows what he's doing if if I'm not so clued on with moving and all the ins and outs of things. And so I think probably I was a little bit nervous and also just sad because I'm so close to my family. And so I think at the time I just, yeah, I when I, when I told my mum and whole family, you know, she just started crying. And I said, don't cry. You cried when I was at university and <laughs> I don't want you to be crying now as well, you know, when I'm going to another country. But I think it's just so sad, you know, because I'm so close to my sisters, to be honest, that we are just going to get up and move to another country. But I think because we were on the journey together, I just felt supported, you know, that he is there with me. I just never looked into anything on my own accord because here the process is now quite strict and quite difficult to actually mm. be able to work. I think years ago, maybe 10, 15 years ago, you could just apply to any clinic and quite easily set up your own business. But yeah. people were just working in any place without kind of any regulation. Yeah, but now you've had that challenge. So not, not only have you had the challenge of moving, but that uh, challenge of having to go through, like, let's say, an education process again to, to be able to do the exams and the requirements to be able to work in the country. Yeah, exactly. And that was the really the most frustrating part because everything was really strict. There's such a like rigorous process of all the things that you have to do and 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 actually my qualification was a postgraduate diploma in CBT. Mm. So that qualification is absolutely fine in the UK. You can start working straight away, but in in Dubai or in the UAE, you'd have to have a master's degree as a minimum. Okay. So I actually had to go back to the UK for sort of five months or so, you know, we, that we were apart, back and forth flying just to top up those two modules to the master's level. I had to get everything stamped. And, but I think in my mind, I just was determined that I am going to work because I love my work. And mm. I didn't imagine that I'm not going to be working when I get here. So mm. whatever I need to do, I would just always have that yeah. kind of, I think I just kind of visualise do you think if, um, yeah, if you hadn't have had, I mean, one thing that you mentioned is that you had the support. And I know if, if in anything in life, if we've got a goal, it's a lot harder to achieve it when we don't have support around us. Let's say it, it is made a bit easy. I mean, do you think that you could have still done it if you hadn't had the support of your husband? 
you know what? Now that I've done it, I feel like I could. If somebody said to me tomorrow that you've got to set your life up in New York or wherever it would be, I just feel like I've got the tools and my mind has like opened up so much that I'm curious about people and culture. And I feel like everybody's kind of in the same boat. Nobody really mm. knows what they until they get there and they've got to work out these processes. Like, where do you pay the bills? How yeah. do you get covered? And so everybody's kind of on that journey in their mm. own way. Nobody knows what the answers are. The fact that you've normalised it is because you've experienced it. And I think that's how we work generally. Once we, we have these lived experiences, uh, they can become habits and things do get normal. And I guess now nowadays, the technology that we have at our fingertips, things are a lot more accessible. So that it is easier to find out what to do. Definitely, yeah. And I feel like that's a massive comfort. And also that, you know, if you're joining any organisation, other people are there, you know, on that journey with you and they're there to support mm. you, they're there to help. I think maybe before coming out here, I, I just would have felt like, oh, I'm alone. And I mm. mean, we are all alone as human beings to some extent, but then you know, people are there to help kind of, and especially here in Dubai and Abu Dhabi, lots of people are here from other countries. They're not with their family and friends. So yeah, I feel like I'm definitely more just, um, if I was plonked in any other country in the world and somebody said that this is where you now have to start your life. And, and if mm. I was with my husband or not with my husband, you know, I had to do that myself. I feel like I definitely feel confident to do that, even though I would still feel Mm. A, a little bit like uncomfortable, a little bit nervous, just about like the processes and getting things right. And but I feel like I could definitely do it. And uh, now that I've done it, I just think it, yeah, it just really like broadens your horizons. I feel like my mind has widened and opened up so much that I feel like I can't believe I've limited my life to kind of staying in one village yeah. in Essex for so much of my life and there's so much to see and experience so I mean I mean I've seen that they say uh, travel is an education in itself and I, I was very fortunate that <laughs> um, as part of my degree I had the opportunity to study in the US for a year and I think that was my first undertaking of living in a foreign country and literally having to do things myself you know pass a driving test and everything so I guess for me moving around is not a challenge I've done it quite a lot from a very young age and uh, and again, okay. it, because it's normalised behaviour, and that's why I, it was very keen for me to get to hear it from you, because I, I do understand for the people that do it for the first time, doesn't matter what age in life, whether they're children later on in life or even older, yeah. it can be a challenge. Definitely. And the most that I had ever kind of travelled, if I'm honest, growing up would have been from London, where we live with my family, yeah. to Birmingham in the summer holidays. And that would yeah. have been like a big deal. Because my younger sisters, you know, often would have missed family, like my parents, and mm. wanted to go back home. But I, from the beginning, I used to just love staying with all my cousins in the summer holidays, mm -hmm. didn't used to miss home. And I think that kind of from the beginning also taught me that well, I can be independent, I can stay and enjoy yeah. myself with, you know, people that are supportive, who I love. And yeah. so I think, but I think it's just different, like personalities, everybody you know, everybody's different in that regard. Some people have it within them that they that they feel they can do these things. Maybe yes. other people also feel a bit limited that they, yeah, that they couldn't imagine it at all. And maybe no, that, exactly. that but was once they do, me. Yeah, but I, and I guess once yeah. they do do it, they realise that actually this is okay and uh, you can do it. You know, it's Definitely. a I suppose it's a different thing whether they still enjoy it afterwards, but at least they have that experience and realise it's not as bad as they first thought it was going to be. 
Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so Mandy, let me ask you then, having all this wealth of experience, especially in the CBT space, mental health space, and it being a challenge for yourself to move to this new environment. And again, once you move to Dubai again, that now moved to uh, Abu Dhabi. Tell me, yeah. what would you say you've been your three key traits or your mental attributes that you've assigned to make that a success? You know, going from your first success to your second success, what do you think has been key? I think that I'm a very uh, optimistic person. I'm always very hopeful. I'm always really positive. And um, I think that that massively helps, you know, having that optimism, being hopeful, keeping in mind that things and life changes all the time. You're not mm. stuck. You're not trapped. You've always got choices. There's always things that you you can do. And if you can't do things that are just not in your control, then just riding with those waves. So I mm. think with that, I am very um, hopeful and kind of optimistic and positive in, in general. But then I think I also have this kind of determination within me that I want to achieve really big things. I don't want to limit myself ever in, in you know, in supporting mm -hmm. people, whether it's through magazines, whether it's this podcast, whether it's a radio show, if I reach out to one person mm. in the community that helps in some way. So for me, I just want to achieve big things. And um, so I'm, I am very ambitious, but very determined if I get something in my head, whether it's consciously or subconsciously mm. um I, i've already can see the success of it and it's just the steps along the way that are just a, a kind of a tick box that i need to get through and so yeah that's what i would say hope i'm hopeful optimistic determined um mm. and i really do kind of visualize that end goal and in my head I, i'm already there and the journey oh. on the way there is just kind of ticking the things off to to get to the place that i really feel like i can thrive in yeah and what do you suppose, I mean, having covered off those three points, and to be honest, I very much resonate with me as well. It's uh, yeah. People always say to me, Rakesh, you're always so optimistic. But sometimes I think, well, you know what, if you were any other way, would you achieve as much as you want to achieve in life? And, and sometimes yeah. I do think that you need to be able to do that. But where do you think your optimism comes from? I think I've always been like that, right from, I think from like, I wouldn't say my school days so much. In my school days, I was very shy, very quiet, um, quite introverted, but I, I would think I'm kind of an introvert even now. If I'm with too many people, you know, yeah. after a good few hours, then I kind of need my time to reflect and just time out to like myself me. again. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm that way too. <laughs> it does, it like exhausts me sometimes. Um, so I would say, yes, yeah, school days were very different. As soon as I left school and the summer holidays and then starting college, I think I really just came out of my shell was, um, you know, dressed in clothes that I felt comfortable to dress in, then being in this kind of uniform every day. So I think that was allowed me to just express myself and who I am mm. and and also doing courses that I was really interested in because a of lot of the, the, you know, subjects in school like maths and science, I really struggled with them, to be honest. And so finally I was able to do things that I was interested in, psychology, sociology, health and social care, doing the placements that I really gained mm. experience from. And then I just, I felt like I was definitely more alive and connected to the world at that point from college onwards. Well, I do find that with a lot of people when they, when they start doing what it is that they really enjoy doing, that's when they really start blossoming. And, uh, um, yeah. you know, I think there's a saying you can't, you know, if you, if you start comparing uh, a fish's ability to, 
climb a tree the same as a monkey's you know the fish is a failure so you you do have to put people in the right environments to see them thrive yeah and I think for for maybe during those years at school or as soon as like the GCSE grades because you needed five GCSEs to actually start Mm. college and I qualified with four and Mm. so I had to really sit my GCSEs at college for that first year before I could move on to my A-levels. I failed a lot of things before I actually passed. GCSEs I failed, had to them. My A-levels, I struggled with those. I had to resit um, kind of A-levels. My first year of my nursing degree, that um, I had to, you know, resit some of the modules. So I would say there was a lot of failure in order Mm. to get to the place where I'm at. And I think when that happens, you can either well I think it just depends you know for some per, some people you may conclude that you know what I'm no good at this I'm useless I'm a failure or it can just really spur you to think no that I can do this and yeah. maybe I need more support or maybe I you know I'm going yeah. in a direction that isn't working for me but I did have a lot of kind of role models growing up my dad his sisters mm. they were very academically inclined doctors mm. and um you know had studied science and chemistry so again you had that support yeah definitely yeah and saw them growing up you know studying in the shed that was all converted as a nice little study room so that was really inspiring I think like seeing them constantly studying and really interested in what they're doing yeah I mean I was going to say you showed some real resilience there with a growth mindset just from a young age to just do it and I guess it comes back to that support You've said that you want to be a huge success in what you do. What what does the next part of your life hold for you then? Is it a move back or a move somewhere else? Or um, <laughs> where, where are you taking your um, your career? So, I mean, right now, Priory, they are already based in Dubai, and that's the clinic mm. that I'm working for. Everything at the moment is online. Some of the clinicians mm. are working face-to-face, but most have been online. Okay. Um, we've recently moved to Abu Dhabi just a few months ago, so... The Priory are due to open here kind of early next year. So um, yeah. I'm hoping to obtain another license, which is an even more stricter process <laughs> compared to the Dubai one. But okay. all being well, um, yeah, if I yeah, if I can obtain that license and work here, then that would be fantastic otherwise. Yeah. But I mean in the in the future, when I return to the UK, my one big big goal would just be to have my own private practice I did before I left and came to the UAE had my own private practice but it was very slow at the time and then we moved here so I didn't have I didn't kind of make enough time to work on marketing and Mm. and spreading sort of word of mouth for the work but I think when I return then that's definitely something that I'd want to continue doing as well as more of the media work which I absolutely love more um shows and yeah radio shows where I can reach out to the community I think especially I mean to all people but also in the Punjabi community Mm. Sikh and you know it's um, trying to really break that stigma and so that people can reach out and know that you know it's not a a a massive problem to seek support it's completely healthy to do that of course I mean I've had quite a few discussions over the past few months been on a in, in some uh, Asian publications and Asian radio as well, talking about mental health in the Asian community. Yeah. And uh, it's a bad enough subject and a taboo enough subject as it is, but even within yeah. the males within the culture, even more so. Um, so trying to get that Definitely. message out that it's okay to talk. And to be honest, I'm, I was pleasantly surprised to speak to quite a few friends recently that have opened up and told me that they've 
had therapy recently and honestly I, was, I felt so uh -huh. happy that they were uh, in fact because they've gone through the process they were quite happy to share with it share with me that they've done it yeah amazing how everybody should do it when they feel like they need to it's like you know if you've got a physical ailment you go and see the doctor you know if you're not feeling well mentally you need to go and see a therapist it's, it should just Definitely, be normal yeah and some of these things, you know, I think just because of how the brain works, it can get us into its mm. own really unhelpful patterns like, oh, well, I should know how to cope and that uh, it's really weak of me not knowing how to cope. But we're not taught these skills like being assertive or setting boundaries or learning what anxiety is and breathing exercise. We're not taught these things in school. So how would we know? And we're not really taught these things growing up from our parents. You know, maybe things are changing now. We're maybe mm. more aware of mindfulness or maybe more people are, are interested. I was going to say, if it hadn't have been for me becoming a life coach, I guess, and no, six years, seven years ago, it, my yeah. trajectory would have been completely different in terms of how I maybe dealt with my children. And it's only since I became a coach that they are more aware of what mindfulness is. They do their own little mindfulness practices. Uh, they do their breathing. They understand emotions and being uh, accepting of their emotions. And this is something that we would never have done as a family, whereas Definitely. a lot more we talk about it a lot more. But that's only because of the education I've managed yeah. to get through coaching. And I often wonder, you know, if I had chosen a career in performing arts in whatever way that would have been mm. in music or media, then I wouldn't have learned so many skills, you know, so many things mm. that I often tell clients to do, whether it's 15 minutes of exercise or try to get the steps up, which is like an antidepressant of its own, or or whether it's awesome. focusing on your breathing just for 10 minutes using a Headspace app or calming mm. up. And so, so many things, I think that if I just wasn't trained, I wouldn't know what those things are unless I'd come across it somewhere, I think. So, so it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to do the training, but um, now that we're talking more, just to be aware is a, a massive step, definitely, yeah. yeah. I think, I think, you know, people should, I mean, I, I talk about coaching in the same way. I think everybody should have coaching skills because I think they're fantastic for communication. It doesn't necessarily mean that everybody needs to be a coach, but they, yeah. the, these skills help in life uh, just as well, just as much as mental health techniques and the breathing techniques and exercise that you can do for your mind. Uh, I think it's uh, all empowering. Definitely for your relationships, for your work, for, for all aspects of your life. It's only a positive. It's like ex exercising, you know, physical exercise for our body. And it's exactly the same for our mental health. There's so many strategies and techniques for all different things, for concentration, things for mm -hmm. our memory, things for our emotions. So, you know, it's a whole language of its own. And we can't expect people when they're not inclined to do a course to know what they are. So it's our job to to educate and put those things out there in society using all these platforms that we've got now yeah, yeah. I was going to say I know we haven't really talked about therapy and that wasn't what we were going to talk about today however what I will yeah. point the listeners to is to go and check out your social media for me I think you put some very valuable content especially the articles that you share uh, that you've been in some of the social media posts because it is it's just simple techniques uh, following you on Instagram even it's just yeah. a case of the stuff that you post it's very simple People can adopt strategies and practices uh, just for everyday mental well-being. So for me, I think, yeah, go and follow you. So I'll I'll be making sure to put Thank that you. in all the information uh, when I publish the podcast for everybody. Brilliant. Thank you so much. And people can feel free out to me if they had any questions about anything, about their family or friends. Yeah, I'm more than happy to re reply to anybody.
Thank you. That's very generous. And Andy, I've got to say thank you very much for coming on to the Second Success podcast. And, uh, you know, your insights have been really invaluable. I'm really hoping what people get from this today is that, you know, if you want to have make some change in your life, whether that's a career, a move or whatever, get some support around you uh, and be optimistic about things are going to change. But you know what? It's a learning curve. It is a new experience. There will be some sort of anxiety. However, it's about going through it and normalizing that behavior. So for me, I think that's been really powerful. So thank you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. And that was Mandeep Jussel. And it was wonderful to spend the time chatting with her. And the one big takeaway for me was the growth mindset that she has. She talked about all the failures that she had early on in life, especially with exams, etc. And speaking to people myself, I find that some of them, when they do fail, they see it as such big setbacks. And then they don't want to try again. Looking at the work of Professor Carol Dweck, done in terms of fixed and growth mindsets, it's amazing to see that Mandeep had the right kind of support around her and the right positive role models that ensured that she built her growth mindset to attain the success that she's got on to achieve. Developing a growth mindset is key to building resilience and through building resilience you learn to achieve more which only then builds your confidence and gives you more motivation to keep going to be highly successful. You may then be wondering how to develop a growth mindset. Firstly, you've got to start viewing challenges as opportunities. Too often people think that they need to be fully qualified to do something when really, as Richard Branson says, learn how to do it later. Say yes to an opportunity and then figure it out along the way. Some of our best learning comes on the job, not necessarily from a formal education. Secondly, replace the word failing with the word learning. The word fail in itself is an acronym for first attempt in learning. People often think that failure is the opposite of success, when in fact failure is just stepping stones to success. And thirdly, value the process over the end result. Sometimes we get fixated on goals and achievements and the undue pressure that we cause ourselves to try and attain these goals, and sometimes it becomes unsurmountable. Therefore, just focusing on that daily process, the daily habits, is what gets us to our goal. For example, somebody wanting to write a book, but if all they think about is completing a book, it can become quite overwhelming. When in fact, all they need to break that down to is the process of writing a few hundred words a day. The process of writing a few hundred words a day eventually leads to the outcome of a book. I say it quite often. The main thing is in achieving anything, it's about taking action. Take those little steps. Take the courage, be bold, and don't be afraid. And usually the things that we're afraid of is failure, but learning to embrace failure can only help us in the future. This week, I'd like to leave you with a short clip from Sister Act 2, where Whoopi Goldberg's character gives some sage advice on purpose and doing what you were meant to do. Ah, Rita. Hey. What? Listen, you have just a little bit more attitude than I like, but I've decided I'm going to dog you no matter what. Okay? I'm listening to you. Okay. okay. I know you want to sing. I love to sing. Nothing makes me happier. I either want to be a singer or the head of the ice capades. Hey, do you know what the ice capades are? Don't roll your eyes. They were very cool. I went to my mother who gave me this book. My letters to a young poet, Raina Maria Rilke. It's a fabulous writer. A fella used to write to him and say, I want to be a writer. Please read my stuff. And Rilke says to this guy, don't ask me about being a writer. If when you wake up in the morning, you can think of nothing but writing, then you're a writer. I'm going to say the same thing to you. If you wake up in the morning and you can't think of anything but singing first, then you're supposed to be a singer, girl. Thank you for listening to the Second Success Podcast. I'm Dr. Rakish Rana, The Clear Coach.